Expedition 44 here again with Matt and Ryan. We have been going through the book of Job and we are getting down to the fun parts yeah. now. We're in the last three chapters, 40, 41, 42, and this is where the pieces of the puzzle kind of start to come together and fit. Where have we been up to here, Matt? Um, so we've gone through basically the three cycles of discourses with Job and his friends and then the young guy, Elihu, comes. After that, Job kind of demands a meeting with God. So yeah. God comes in a whirlwind and basically takes Job on a tour of the universe and shows him all the intricacies of God's creation. And it's like, Job, can you run this for even a day? Yeah, and we're still kind of struggling with where we draw the lines of literary and not literary. Mm -hmm. Like, can we just demand meetings with God yeah. and God will have that? I mean, we have prayers, so we're constantly talking okay. to him, but at the same time, this doesn't really seem to kind of take the form that I think God would honor of us demanding meetings with yeah. him. So we're still kind of going back and forth of, What's, what are we gleaning from this and, and what can we pull? So we continue to do that this week as we look through this, but we arrive at verse 40 and the thing that God kind of starts out saying is kind of brace yourself, like man up. Yep. We're, we're getting ready to like get to the bottom of this thing. And a lot of people kind of feel like God never really answers the question mm -hmm. here. Like, you know, God kind of leaves this book in a cliffhanger, yet you and I kind of see that differently. Yeah, we think that he actually does answer Job's question, but most people get stuck on reading the Bible as not a literary device, but at face value. So I think that God is teaching science and zoology yeah. here in chapters um, in the 40 and 41. And I've almost heard people like write this off because uh -huh. like they don't know how to explain it. They're uh -huh. like stuck in this behemoth, leviathan, like mythology thing. And yeah. it's like, you know, you and I are going, you're totally missing the point. Dennis. Yes. God's using these two creatures, whether they were actual animals or extinct now or mythological. I go more toward the mythological side. Yep. Um, but he uses them as basically to set up his answer. Yeah. So we've seen at the beginning of the book, Job is very righteous and then kind of throughout these speeches and everything else we kind of see him break down a little bit mm -hmm. and and by the time we get to here we almost see frustration I think from both sides of the fence and kind of like this this all right let's let's have a serious conversation and, and this is where it ends yep. and so 40 kind of opens up this conversation with getting down to it and so we kind of see a couple things going back and forth here but Job is still kind of stuck on the retribution principle going into this. He is. And this is where God just says no. Yep. And we kind of see the last speech from the younger Elihu and he kind of gets it right. Like he kind of says, you know, maybe you're a little self-righteous and actually in, in 40, there's some things that God says that like kind of affirm mm -hmm. that he was self-righteous. Mm -hmm. But we also know that Elihu wasn't completely right in his assessment, that he was, his, his foundation was flawed, that he was still kind of going back to that retribution, retribution principle. Yeah. And so... This is really, I love how this book challenges your mind. In fact, when you first start reading chapter one and two and your mind is going, could God operate like this? And that's kind of where Job's mind is, is trying to figure out with his friends how God operates. And by the time you get to the book, it's fascinating because where your mind is kind of puts you in the mindset of Job when you're asking those questions. And that's why it's a literary device in my mind. It's, yep. it's beautifully done because you start reading this and you're asking the same questions that Job and his friends are, are answering. And when you get to the end, you kind of go, boy, all these things I've been questioning in this book really don't matter. They're, yep. they're not really the question. The question is, do I trust this relational God to 
be the author and perfecter of my life and of the world and his creation and everything else. And who am I to even begin to question something like that? Yep. So let's jump into it. You kind of mentioned the sea creatures. What are these creatures? All right, so we have Behemoth and Leviathan, which are the two creatures that God talks about in chapters 40 and 41. Um, so Behemoth, he is uh, basically a land creature. Um, they refer to this as sometimes in the ancient world. Um, you have some texts in the Babylonian literature, Ugaritic, um, that these were chaos monsters. Yep. Um, so and we might get into that in a little bit here. But Leviathan was the sea sea creature, uh, and Behemoth is the land dwelling. Kind of also hangs out in rivers and yeah. stuff like that. You kind of see, but it's um, four legs upright. The other one seems more like fish-like right, or dragon-like, right. yeah. but dwelling in the water. They're pretty cool. They're my pretty kid, cool. My kids love this part. Uh -huh. Dad, let's read those those sea creatures. Yeah. And, and, you know, you can look at this and start kind of challenging this and mm -hmm. say, did these ever exist like you implied? And when it gets down to it, like, those aren't really the right questions to no. ask. It doesn't really matter. No. So the Bible is written in a context that isn't our context. Yeah. So these would have been, based on what we know from ancient literature, things that would have been prominent in their thoughts. Yeah. So Definitely. they would have referred to these as kind of the the biggest and most glorious creatures, but dangerous yeah. in both the land and the water. Kind of goes back to why Job. Job is seen as the most righteous man who probably ever walked the planet, and that's mm -hmm. why the book is about him. If there's another righteous man, it would have been written about him. Yep. Same thing goes with these animals. Like, mm -hmm. if there was another bigger, badder land or sea creature, yeah. God would have written about those. Yep. But we get them because he's doing that. And did they exist? You kind of get into some of these Ugaritic texts as Match mentioned. Mm -hmm. and there's stories about them, but we just don't know if that's true. Like one of them says there's a male and female created and God mm -hmm. goes to war and destroys yeah. one of them. And that's yeah. kind of why they're not there. But I don't want to get caught up in any of the mm -hmm. mythology or any yeah. of that kind of stuff. And Psalm 74 kind of alludes to like Leviathan having seven heads and yeah. breathing fire. And yeah. we don't have anything kind of like that no. now. We haven't really found anything through archaeology either. And it might not have ever existed. It might not. I mean, it's there we see composite creatures in the Bible a lot of times where we understand part of it and they've kind of been fit together like a little kid taking Legos apart and reassembling yeah. them. Yeah. And you know, some people actually even look at the cherubim that way. They, yeah. That they mm -hmm. could be representations of that. So again, we just don't know and a lot of Job is, as we keep saying, literary device. And so, mm -hmm. you know, to kind of, you know, what a lot of people do with this is they try to make this out to be what they want it to be. Yeah. Like you said with science a mm -hmm. lot of times. And we can't do that. We can't no. we can't take this book and mold it and say, oh, this is what we want it to be. We have to, and this is a huge message of Job, is we have to accept what God has given us. Yep. And so it all fits together again. Like the literary genre of it is amazing how it works on your mind from so many different yep. angles, communicating the same thought through different devices. Yeah. Alright, so we've got these chaos monsters and they're not, they don't seem to be naturally evil or enemies of God, but they can cause damage amongst God's creation. How You, you kind of mentioned the culture would have understood this from the mythology and places they were mentioned before. What, Where do we put them? So in the ancient world, gods created order in the world. And so these kind of creatures are kind of on the peripheral. Um, they're dangerous things that could kind of wreak havoc in creation, but they not, weren't necessarily bad. So they kind of had one foot in the realm of order and one foot in the realm of disorder, yeah. but could bring that disorder realm into the realm of order. Yep. And you would have thought, living back then, that there were several gods, whether you fall into you know, fallen deities or, or mm -hmm. however you view those, but the gods would use these type of animals to kind of do their 
their deeds. Like, yeah. that, you know, people would think that they had them on a leash. And later, when we start reading some of this yeah. stuff, it alludes to that several times through through the text. And even like Behemoth is sometimes depicted in ancient literature as the god El's um, ox. Yeah. So yeah. what he rode, basically. Yeah. Like, are the gods keeping them under guard, yeah. so to speak? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's there, there's a lot of good stuff in there, and, and even in Genesis, we'll kind of get to this later. But there's there's actually some pictures of that throughout there as mm -hmm. well. So. This is the way the ancient world was thinking of it, and it's no different in the book of Job. That's how people would have been reading this at the same time. And so let's talk about the first one, the behemoth. What do we, what do we know about him? Where, where do we put him? What does this, where, where does the text go with this character? All right, so if we look at um, Job 40, verse 15, we see that God starts by describing behemoth, and he compares Job to him. He puts yeah. them in the same category. So right off the bat, we got to see, all right, if. The author of Job is using this as a literary device. He's comparing Job to Behemoth. Yep. So right from the beginning, he said that Behemoth is content and well-fed, as Job was also content and well-fed. Um, he made Job strong. Job is the most righteous yep. person, so there's a comparison there. He ranks first among his kind. Like we said, Job, if there was a more righteous person, the book of Job would have been about that yep. person and not about Job. Um, he's cared for. We saw all of the blessings that God gave him. He was sheltered protected, but then in verse 23, it kind of turns yeah. to how Job should be behaving. Right. So we see that Behemoth is not alarmed by the raging river, right. as Job shouldn't be alarmed about his situation. And what's interesting is earlier in the text, Job kind of alludes that God is treating him like a Behemoth. So yeah. there's kind of a play coming back to this, like yeah. God is kind of answering this question. Yeah, he's treating him like a chaos creature, and God's saying, well, maybe you should be more like one. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. so it says the Behemoth is, um, in verse 23, trusts and is secure, as Job should be. He cannot be captured or trapped, so basically Job shouldn't be so vulnerable. Yeah. So that's kind of where where we get with um, God comparing Behemoth to Job and what God did for him and also the position and the posture that Job should be taking in his situation right now. One of my favorite is 4023 where it says, if a river rages, he is not alarmed. And it just mm -hmm. kind of, you know, it's like a wake up call. Yeah. It's like this this whole thing, your life is turbulent, you're in the middle of this, but it's, it's saying you shouldn't be alarmed. Yeah. It, like God is in control and give him that trust. Mm -hmm. Pretty, pretty neat. And you could, you could read this whole thing, and all of these are kind of plays on the entire story of, of what Job is thinking or how he was thinking, and God kind of correcting of how he should be thinking. Yep. And then we go into the next one, and this is a Leviathan. Tell us a little bit more about Leviathan. Okay. So in Leviathan, when we get to chapter 41, it switches uh, immediately to you. So it focuses in on what Job can't do to Leviathan. Yeah. So he says that in verse 1 and 2 that you can't control Leviathan. So what Yahweh is doing here in this speech is saying that if you can't do these things to this chaos monster, then you definitely can't do them to me because I'm even more powerful. Yep. So now some some people would actually say that these creatures could like represent the challenger or something yeah. like that, or they kind of take them back to like the retribution principle of like this is justice. Mm -hmm. but where do you put stuff uh, like that? You, you can't. It's it's really not in the scripture. I mean, I, no. I I just I don't get that at all when I hear. I mean, there's some pretty big commentators where you read them taking it back to that, and I just mm -hmm. I look at this and I go, how did you come up with yeah. that? You know, I just I don't see it. And you don't see it going forward. So what is Leviathan? Like, what is the rep representation? Well, it's the most powerful creature of the sea. Yeah, so if this is the most powerful thing of the sea, is God saying, like, he's equal to the Leviathan, he is the Leviathan? Uh, he's saying he's bigger and more powerful than Leviathan. Yeah. So yeah, if you can't do this to Leviathan, you can't do it to me. Exactly. So you need to change the way you're thinking. 
So yeah. what, are, what are some of these descriptions then? Let's kind of go mm -hmm. through them and look at them and we'll kind of talk about some of them. And, and it's, it's again, it's still literary. It's mm -hmm. going back and forth and kind of talking about the actual chaos creature and the descriptions of those things. But at the same time, it's making allusions as to God and Job and the relationship between them. Yeah, it's in basically in verse one and two, you can't control yeah. Leviathan, so you can't. Yahweh also, he can't control God. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And it was that play on the leash, the God's on the leash thing of like, uh -huh. you know, is Job trying to put God on a leash mm -hmm. here? Yeah, uh, verse three to six, um, it won't submit to you and it won't beg for mercy. Yeah. It's like you can't put a hook in its jaw, you can't put a, a rope through its nose. Keep, yeah. Keeps going back to yep. who are you to try to play God or yep. to harness God? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it can't be wounded. Um, it it's hopeless to struggle against him. That's yeah. verses seven to nine. And these are all things that God is communicating to us. I mean, when mm -hmm. we're going through these struggles, it's saying, you know, kind of putting us in our place. And that was mm -hmm. the man up, let me tell you, yeah. you know, how this is. And again, when, when you're just reading these, as did these monsters actually exist? I mean, what is this saying and all that stuff? Mm -hmm. you're, you're missing the point. Like yeah. the point is these words of describing how God works in the same way as the animal and saying, mm -hmm. now not only not only are you struggling with this creation of mine, yeah. but how much more so would you struggle with me yeah. in these areas? Yeah, I really like um, 12 to 18 where it kind of talks about trying to domesticate Leviathan. Yeah. Yeah. So how often do we try to do that with yeah, God? Yeah, put God in a box. Yep, yep. We're going to make, I mean, make I, I hate to say it, but we do that. Churches do that. Uh -huh. I mean, it's like we've kind of created this Americanized, Westernized mm -hmm. thing of what we think God and church should be. And sometimes you and I look at it and go, wow, are we missing the mark here? Yep. Yeah, and it's also saying that God, um, if you keep going down 26 to 32, God isn't vulnerable. Yeah. So, so we have this, um, the behemoth is not righteous and the Leviathan is not just. And it kind of uh -huh. says these things yeah. like we've been grappling with all of his friends and he just throws it out there and says, yeah. we're, not, we're not going there. We're not having that conversation yeah. sort of. Can't be moved, can't mm -hmm. be challenged. Yep. Those, those words of just saying, you know, I am God and who are you to have yeah. these conversations with me? Yeah, and then he can kind of concludes the whole speech saying that basically Leviathan dominates over all the proud. Yeah. So that you like. That's, it, those are big words. Yeah. The, going back to a little bit of the, the truth to the self-righteousness mm -hmm. part a little bit yeah. and kind of putting Job in his place. Yep. I mean, this is, when you read it, you, you take this mindset, this is, these are hard words. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can't imagine God getting almost angry with me having these words with me like that. Yeah. I mean, it, it would definitely, the way I was thinking it, it puts you, if you were Job, puts you in your place. And does Job get mad? Does he get angry? What's what's his response to this? No, he just basically says he repents. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he kind of takes back, he's like, I wish I could take back everything I said. Yes. Almost, so, I mean, him. we haven't seen this in Job in the entire book. No. I mean, we've seen quite the opposite mm -hmm. of it. And then all of a sudden in just a few quick verses, we get this idea that he completely changes. Completely doesn't want eighty. I mean, it's mm -hmm. it's. And when when you look at forgiveness in the Bible and true repentance, mm -hmm. that's really what it means is a, mm -hmm. a complete turn. Yep. And a lot of these words that that we are reading in this, it's that same idea, and we see that in the New Testament and the Old Testament over and over. But it's it's a complete almost regret, a one eighty. Yep. And again, this is amazing with this book because. The whole idea of the book you think is about the, the idea, does, does God give credit or blessings or material things to those that are righteous? It starts out putting you in that mm -hmm. mindset. And one of the big questions of the book is, does God actually change his idea on that? And, mm -hmm. and so as we're reading these ideas of regret, he shows a picture of this. 
does God actually kind of do the same thing in, in the story and do a 180 of changing his ways? And we, we see this in other places in the scripture, Jonah and Genesis 6 and mm -hmm. Exodus 32 yeah, and yeah. Jeremiah 4 and 18 kind of keeps going with Genesis that same 6. thing. Joel 2, Jonah, the whole book kind mm -hmm. of represents that. And yeah. so there is, when we're looking at the theology in Job, there is a, a whole part of this to understanding a dynamic relational God and some people are really afraid to go there with this. Yeah. And it also kind of shows like when we address prayer, how, I mean, does prayer actually do anything? Right. Does it know? Work? Why are is, we praying if it doesn't if do anything? If everything is lined up the way it is, then what's the purpose of prayer? Yeah. If, if God isn't dynamic. So. And some people see this whole interaction, like, are they actually saying these words or is this more of a prayerful thought mm -hmm. between yeah. Job and God? So yeah. is it essentially a large prayer? And part of this, as you can read, is how is God reacting to prayers to him? Yeah. Um, so I guess concluding behemoth and leviathan so we're seeing here that um god's telling job via the picture of behemoth to be strong and basically to stand firm and to trust god yeah and through the picture of leviathan he's saying you can't domesticate me you shouldn't be trying to subdue me or put me in a box yeah so that's kind of what we and have that's the whole message to the book mm -hmm. i mean it's so complex yet it's so simple mm -hmm. at the same yeah. time yeah and we struggle with that more than anything. I mean, so many people are trying to make God out to be something that the text doesn't tell us that he yep. is. And God is saying, keep this pure. Keep yep. this simple. Keep this nature of me to who I am. Yeah, stay in a relationship with me. Follow where I'm going to lead you. Just trust what I'm doing. Yeah. So we're still going back to these kind of blurred literary lines. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, is... I've heard people say the entire book is literary device. I've heard other people say the entire book is literal. Like you should yeah. read it exactly the way it is. And there were literal, you know, these sea, sea creatures actually existed exactly the way that they mm -hmm. say. And, you know, Job's friends and the, the conversations word for word yeah. were what happened. And we have the question, most people fall someplace in the middle there. Mm -hmm. Where do you draw this line? Yeah, it's really hard to see what, obviously, there's some brilliant literary poetry as yes. we've talked about in this, and some of this is, I believe, has been put together to shape the way that we, we approach yeah. the book. So yeah. I take it more of that, yeah, Job is a literally an actual person that did exist, but some of these situations might not have fallen the exact way that they're yeah. explained. It's put there to communicate a truth. So whether it, like we said, whether it was all of this is face value the way that it happened, or whether it's a literary device, it doesn't change the truthfulness no. of the book. Uh -uh. And people get so hung up on like the science of the monsters mm -hmm. and all this stuff, and they almost miss the message. Mm -hmm. And it's important that we don't major on the minors. And, and that's one of the problems Matt and I have a lot of times with people going to some of the biblical things theologically is in the doing so. They get, they get so caught up on these little things that they miss the major message of the text. Mm -hmm. And so one of the questions that leaves us saying is, what is literary? Are just the speeches of the guys literary? Is What about these speeches of God? Yeah, it brings us to the question, would God really do this to me? Yeah, yeah. And so we keep asking these questions and we keep saying they're not really the right questions to ask because in the end, we're, whether you view the whole thing as literary, which actually might not be such a bad view, or mm -hmm. the whole thing as literal or someplace in between, the major importance of it is that you're not getting hung up on those things and you're taking in the message to the heart. Yeah, and the message is trust God and all that he does. Yeah, so simple, yet we struggle with it so much. Mm -hmm. May God bless you and keep you.